Sarah Ferharo. So um, today we've got Neelam, she's a parachuter. Um, how long have you been with Parafit Auckland for Neelam? Um, so I've been with Parafit Auckland since 2012, I think. Yeah, it's been, oh. it's been that long that I've been with them, which sounds like a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, it flies by, doesn't it? Really yeah, definitely. By. So today um, I've brought Neelam onto the show. I'm just really excited for you guys to hear her story, um, kind of her life and mindset as a professional athlete while jug juggling a part-time job as well. Um, she's talking to us from the comfort of her home in Whangarei with her parents and a little puppy or 14 year old puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jimmy, yeah, so um, let's dig into it. So let's just start off by your journey and your kind of story that got you to where you are as a person and as a parachuter as well. So shooting's always been in my life. Um, so I probably shot my first gun when I was about six or seven years old because when, when we used to go on family camps, we'd take the slug gun. And I just like shooting cans and containers with my dad. And then um, in high school, one of my friends was like, oh, we do, there's 22 rifle competition that, um, that we do. Like, do you want to try it? And so every year I was like, no, don't want to do it. Like, it's, I've, got, I've got too many other commitments. And then one of the years I was like, you know what? Actually, yeah, like, let me see how it goes. So um, I did 22 rifle um, as a national sport for two years. Um, the first year my team got top 20 in, in New Zealand and then the following year because I trained every Friday night leading up to the next one because I got so so into it um, my team got first the following year which was awesome so then um, yeah so then I moved to Auckland for university in 2011 and then somebody from home told me that there's a um, parapet Auckland shooting um, that was down there and I was like oh and at the time we didn't have our own range so we were shooting in the Otara Spinal Unit and so I was like oh that'd be awesome like I'll go check it out so I tried it a couple of times in the spinal gym and being on a Saturday morning and me studying you know it was it was a bit of like oh do I want to shoot or like you know do I want to try it I don't know and then um, because I got a little bit more into it by the middle of 2012 um, some of the people from our range now um, found the club that we're currently at and we've been there ever since and just upgraded it and now it's a uh, um, training like the best training facility in New Zealand with electronic targets which helps us to shoot on an international level so wow being really like I've been very fortunate to be there at the right time when everything was starting to pick up and move forward yeah. And like, obviously that um, surrounding yourselves with the right people at the right time. And obviously the facility definitely helped like accelerate your career and your ability. Do you think? Yeah, definitely. So if I, if, if the facility wasn't available, I think shooting would have been just a hobby that I would have done maybe once or twice a week. So because I got more into it by 2013 so 2013 I started competing nationally and then um, I graduated in 2014 so then I had to decide whether I want to stay in Auckland or uh, pursue my career and carry on doing it somewhere else or, you know make those big life decisions and I was like you know what I was like shootings picked up quite a lot I feel like I really want to stay and see where it goes mm -hmm. and just give it that chance so I stayed in Auckland found a job 
um, to support my living and yeah and then just everything picked up from there and then I did my first international competition and that that just kind of went <laughs> the whole way up to where I am now so it's been it's been quite a good like I guess interesting and long journey but it's it's worked out quite well yeah Cool. And so you said you picked up um, a job as soon or like after you finished studying and graduated. Congrats for that. Um, but so did you, was the job just so you could train and sustain your life in Auckland as well? Yeah. Yeah. So because I didn't have any um, job, like proper job experience, um, I needed to find a job to help me live in Auckland. And because my family doesn't live in Auckland, they live up in Whangarei, I'd be living by myself. So I worked for a disability service, um, which I really enjoyed working for them because I, I like being a disability advocate, <laughs> as, yeah. as probably know. Um, so it, the role was really, really good for me. And then after, I think, oh, just over a year, I decided that I'll change roles and work on another skill. So now that I work at a contact center, um, it means like I, I like picking up different skills. So it's kind of, at the moment, it's not really my career-based um, stuff, but picking up the skills means it helps me to use it in other ways. So for example, communication is a big one. Yeah. And in my current role, that's, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And so how many hours do you find yourself training? Do you find that it like kind of the job plus life plus being a young person as well, you're juggling a lot of time or do you feel like you get enough training time to, to live a life as well? Um, juggling, juggling a lot. So depending on what's happening, um, like I guess pathway wise so you always have like a pinnacle event or a couple of events during the year that you want to really work towards mm. and so if the like you know if the virus hadn't happened this year then mine would have been lima in may and then potentially tokyo which would have been in august september right yeah. so i would have been um like the closer you get to an event the more training you would put in and the time like time and focus so at before lockdown, I was fully focused on training. I maybe went out maybe once every couple of weeks or had some time with friends, but yeah, training was just peaking at what it should be. And then, yeah, and then lockdown happened and it's like, oh, now what? So yeah. it's, been a, it's been interesting, but I think, I think it's actually going to end up being good that everything's being pushed next year. Yeah. So like you talked about, so the world champs in Lima, which is obviously now next year, early next year, is it? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just a world cup. So it's only a level two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will be in, well, they haven't put a date, but I'm assuming that it's going to be in the same time frame, which will be in May. So yeah. it matches what's happening this year. And because Tokyo for Paralympics is also going to be same time, but next year, oh, sure. um, yeah, I think that's how they're planning it. But I guess it just depends on what's happening with this virus because yeah. unfortunately anything can happen and time and country is just, yeah. Big unknowns, yeah. Yeah. So if you, um, I mean, hopefully succeed, obviously, with Tokyo. Um, and then is there kind of next steps for your career? Are you hoping that it kind of um, excels into a, a few Paralympic um, performances or is there much planning in that field or is it 
just don't know um, at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, um, I guess because I I haven't really seen myself as being like, oh, one Paralympics and then I'm done. Yeah. Like I think it's going to be an ongoing thing. But at the moment, because I haven't been to any Paralympics and this will be my first one if I get selected to go, that's like the biggest, you know, the biggest goal at the moment. And I can't really see past it at the moment either. Mm. Um, but in saying that, like, there's also other things I want to be doing too. So, um, like, I'll still be training. Like, my idea would be the year after Tokyo, I'd be training, but I'd, I might go back to study doing postgrad or, um, you know, potentially finding a new job that's more career-based. You know, any anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, kind of take each season as it comes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much. Unfortunately, like in, in shooting, shooting is an all-year sport. It's not just like a summer sport or a winter sport. It's an all-year yeah. sport. So you don't get the time off like other sports probably do. Oh, yeah. wow. Do you find that yeah. that takes a toll in any way? Or is it um, just kind of exciting because you love it so much? I find it it's quite exciting and I guess it keeps me quite busy as well. But at the same time, um, it's all about investment. So like if, if you've got big events or you've got certain competitions on and say you've got some social events around that time as well, you kind of have to do a balance or pick and choose what's, what the priorities are. So mm -hmm. for example, like I had um, a two-day competition in, in Auckland, but I also had my cousin's baby shower. So I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I do the competition and then travel travel to get up to the baby shower or, you know? So yeah. you, do, you do have to juggle with which parts would be better. But I don't know. I think because I'm so used to doing the juggling now, um, it's not as bad, I guess, because like there are times in the year where it does cool down. So around um, like Christmas and New Year's, everybody's kind of on like that holiday mode. So even shooting's on that holiday mode. So it, most of the training around that time is just self pushed. So mm. if I want, if I for example go back to Auckland after Christmas holidays, then I will probably more likely get back into training because that's my normal routine in Auckland. Whereas mm. in when I'm at home for holidays, like everything stays put, like, you know, shooting stays in Auckland and I actually have holiday time. So. That's good. Yeah. And I feel like that's super healthy because it's so easy to, when you're enjoying it so much, almost overtrain and, mm. and potentially just burn yourself out in that sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, I feel like that's a healthy way to do a sport that kind of doesn't stop at all. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you work with your um coach and your team and how do you use those people around you to kind of amplify and um improve your performance so i have um two, like fortunately i've got two coaches so um i've got michael johnson who's four time like paralympic legend like he's he is like guy to go to in the shooting world and that's like worldwide not just like here in New Zealand oh, so wow. we're really really lucky to have him here um and then I've got two-time Commonwealth um athlete Ricky Zell who's my pistol coach so um I work with them on a regular basis or like on a like regardless of the virus happening at the moment on a normal basis I'd be keeping in touch with Mike probably a um, couple of times during two weeks and then I'd probably have a session with him within once a month kind of thing yeah. and then with I see him 
all, like every week, maybe one or two times a season when I do my training anyway. So mm. he'll give me tips and tricks and like tell me like, you know, pick up things that I need to do a bit better or things that uh, are going well. And then, you know, like, so I, I get a lot of input from both of them, but I do a lot of my training on my own. So it's kind of just taking that information from both of them, seeing what parts work best for me and then putting that into, um, into action when I'm doing things on my own. Because at the end of the day, when you're performing, you don't have anybody around you to be telling you things all the time. You're, it's just you and the target and your firearm and that's it. And so you have to be able to use that information to make the shot the best shot possible. Yeah, that's huge. And I guess that, um, like, there's all the different technical um, pieces of performance for every sport, but as well the resilience and the mindfulness that goes into, like, especially a, a sport that is so focus-based. Um, yeah. And, like, I've seen a few videos of, like, some of your coaches um, talking on them and talking about how like the little voice in the back of your head that can sometimes get in and like dealing with that. So how much, how much kind of mental resilience grit work do you kind of do? Is it a big part of your training that you consider or? Oh, it's a huge, huge part. Um, I think um, I would have, I didn't really notice it, I guess at first when I started doing shooting, um, it became more apparent when I actually um, started doing pathway to podium because it was one of the things that I noticed like while I was doing pathway to podium it was something that I was missing um, because when I used to do like yeah with the with the inside coach going on in your head mm. it was more like oh you're doing this wrong or oh you need to do this properly or you know it was it was kind of looking at the more negative things and things to improve and when I learned how to like through pathway podium when I actually learned how to change the way that that self-talk works that's when my shooting kind of picked up and things just got better because shooting's a 90% mental game and only 10% action so with that you have to be able to have a calm mindset and not get so distracted and put yourself in a like you know a good environment in headspace rather than you know having say for example if you go into a match and you've got all these worries and all these things going on you're going to be completely distracted and not even you know notice what you're actually doing in that present time yeah so yeah huge huge part was um mindfulness in the mental game that's so fascinating yeah. um and so like obviously i've seen a lot of your home workouts and home training that you've been chucking up is so <laughs> awesome. Um, but what are some of the other accessories and some of the most important things that you do day to day to make sure that you're on top of your game? Like as well as the obvious S&C plus tactical based training, do you think there's yeah. other things that you add into your life that definitely improve your performance? Yeah. So I do um, like, like apart from the yeah the exercise stuff um nutrition also plays a big role as well um mm -hmm. just because with the amount of focus you have to put into shooting if you don't i guess have the right energy sources for to do like the endurance part of the shoots then you know like food's a huge in like a huge mm -hmm. part of our work. so 
Um, nutrition's a big one for me um, because I have to be able to eat right leading up to a competition and then on competition, make sure I have the right stuff as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think a bit of everything. So like even training, like there's different ways in training that helps, like you can analyze like your shots and analyze your technique and things, which I do quite a lot. But there's also like the downtime, I guess, and that's um, like a little bit of meditation as well. So when you're just sitting in the room quietly, just trying to think of like your present mindset and like, you know, what you're feeling and doing. Like my, my main one is actually doing like, it's called a five touch sense. I think mm. it's called sense touch. Yeah. yeah. Um, where you kind of close your eyes and you kind of feel like, feel what you're actually touching. So I'd be like, oh, my hand on my leg or my hair on my neck or, you know, like things that you have to focus into to feel. So that always helps. And that definitely helps in shooting as well, especially when my mind wanders and I'm like, no, I need to get back to the present. So that helps. And also um, imagery, a lot of imagery. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing that there's more like, it really is like a full-time role because you're always kind of preparing and setting yourself and just caring for your mind as well. Yeah. And so um, we'll go for one more because I'm just so fascinated. <laughs> but, um, if you were going to give yourself some advice like five years ago and that was within your career as a shooter as well, um, what, what do you think that advice would be? Um, don't be so hard on yourself. So I know five years ago, I was damn hard on myself, like too, too hard in fact. And, and I think it was like the self-talk is super important. So mm. the sooner that you can learn how to change your self-talk into being positive and doing positive affirmations and just making, creating a healthy space for your mind, mm. the better it is like just generally, not just for sport, but just generally. Cause mm. I think that's where my turning point was for shooting was got, it was kind of like unlocking a key and going, Oh, whoa. Like I did not realize that there was this big part of it that I, that I should have been focusing on. So, so yeah, that, that part definitely, definitely. I think the sooner, the sooner if I could have learned how to be less hard on myself, the better. Cause I, I'm my biggest critic. And I've always been my biggest critic. So just like probably most people. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, sometimes like being an athlete, you can be too harsh on yourself as well. And that that can be damaging as well to what you're actually wanting to achieve and your self-esteem and things. So I guess, yeah, the sooner you can be, find out how to, you know, I guess manage the self-talk and um, yeah, just... I guess be more open to mindfulness that mm-hmm. the better that you would get and I guess it happened sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah oh wow that's awesome and as you said I think we all like we're all our biggest critics and um in all of our like professions and sports as well so very relevant and I think it might resonate with a lot of people that's awesome so we'll wrap it up there but um so people I'll put uh your facebook and your instagram um links in the comments um so that 
people can get in touch with you and check out what you're doing um, with parachuting and just with you as well. Um, is there anything, any messages or anything you'd like to get across to anybody that's kind of wanting to excel on that um, kind of road to Paralympics route? Um, yeah, so I think like anything like it's pretty much what they usually say anything is possible um if you have a dream and you want to pursue it then do it like absolutely do it because you don't know what um you know what's ahead you don't know what's like what benefits or opportunities may lie in the future mm. if i hadn't taken shooting seriously in 2014 i don't know where i'd be in my life right now but I can tell you, like, I've traveled a little bit with shooting and I've absolutely enjoyed it and meeting new people and, yeah, just new experiences and things that have come with shooting, like even being part of Parapet Auckland and Paralympics New Zealand and getting to know, like, the disability community a bit better as well, sports-wise. Yeah. Um, it's been a big, like, big focus for me. So I think, yeah, just do it like you don't know what's out there so oh, amazing awesome well thank you so much Neelam for um meeting up with me today and just kind of sharing um what you do your journey um I think it's really awesome for people that are chasing that dream to hear it. and awesome it's also it's just interesting for for everyone else so um you have an amazing rest of your lockdown and I hope to actually like see you <laughs> <laughs> after this all um but yeah so guys that's neelam um you shoot her through any messages or questions if you wanted to know anything else and i will see you on the next episode so thanks, thanks for having me.